What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And I'm just going to go ahead and get it said before anything else. I am just coming off of going to Baylor's performance in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. So you can probably hear my voice just sounds like I went to a football game. But I've got Jeremy Layton here with me. So excited to go through the game with him. Jeremy, what a weird game, right? What'd you think of this? I think it's kind of funny that this was the game that I was like, I probably wouldn't have watched this game if I wasn't coming on the show. Like it, it was like, <laughs> it was so meaningless and, and so stupid. And there was just nothing like from a net, from an analyst perspective, there's really not too much you can break down here. It was very weird. The giants are horrific. Mike Glennon is like, I can't think of a worse quarterback performance that I've seen on TV. Or so it's funny. You mentioned that I looked up a stat now, granted, I'm going to get this said first. I'm going to use passer rating because it helps me make my point, Jeremy. I don't love passer rating as an end-all, be-all for quarterbacks. But do you remember that game from eons ago, Jeremy, where Todd Collins, 38-year-old wonder, came in for the Bears before Caleb Haney took over for the rest of the season, threw four picks, a 37.5% completion percentage, like years ago. must have been 2010, 20 Yeah. Yeah. Carolina Panthers, right? Yes. That – Todd Collins' performance had a 6.2 quarterback rating, which was better than Glennon's (laughs) 5.3 quarterback rating that he had today against Chicago. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, it's pretty horrendous. I'm going to pull up this tweet that I saw. Um, they, I think he had like 16 dropbacks. All right, 17 dropbacks. It's from Kendall Baker on Twitter. I don't want to steal his idea, but... 17 dropbacks, strip sack, interception, sack, four-yard pass, incomplete, 12-yard pass, strip sack, incomplete, 12-yard pass, 13-yard scramble. I don't remember that. Uh, Pass for (laughs) four-yard loss, incomplete, sack, strip sack, and then three straight incompletions. Actually, two incompletions and an interception to end the game. So, like, that's just – like, you or I would probably put up similar numbers if we – He could have picked six, too. I mean – Hardy Burns, yeah. Yeah, I mean – this is just such a weird and wild game to analyze because I, I won't bury the lead, Jeremy. It's not like Andy Dalton played a phenomenal football game. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he wasn't good. The, the Bears didn't necessarily play well. Their defense sure did, right? Travis Gibson dominated Nate Solder. Two strip sacks for crying out loud. Burns continued to make solid plays like just like he did last week. But – I mean, I don't know about you. I felt like, especially after the safety that the Giants had, and especially after, I hope you got the chance to see David Montgomery's interception. Oh, yeah, of course. uh, Right there at the end of the game. I mean, this felt like a game that the Giants just came out and lost a little more so than the Bears came out and won it. And you got to credit Chicago where you want to. Last thing I'm trying to do is take anything away from our favorite team. But when we're sitting here at 5-10, and now 6-10, and and we thump the Giants this badly to the point where I believe at one point they had run the ball 21 times before they passed it five. They had four dropbacks to that point that had been a pick, a fumble, a sack, and then one four-yard completion that otherwise would have been Robert Quinn's record-setting sack. It felt like a game that we watched the Giants come out and lose a little more so than the Bears taking the score that they uh, that they ended up with. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the first play of the game, uh, strip sack, 
but bears the ball at the two yard line. David Montgomery runs in a touchdown in the first play. It's seven nothing. Like they didn't have, they could have just like slept walked to the seven nothing lead at that point. It's like <laughs> literally less than 30 seconds into the game. Um, and then like right after that, uh, one of the strip sacks to Travis Gibson, what I saw was, I don't think he was blocked. I think, I think he just had a free run at the quarterback and Mike Glennon is not Cost. aware or mobile. So of course, coughed it up again, turnover. Uh, or maybe that was a couple plays later, but then there was the, uh, there was the interception that came right after that, which is like, it, it, it was like the Giants are moribund. They're arguably the worst team in football right now. And Jacksonville looked pretty bad today too. Um, I think those were one and two of the two worst teams in the NFL right now, especially with all the injuries and the Giants. I mean, like you saw the receiving core that they were going to the game with the Giants. It was like, Oh yeah. Uh, Kadarius Tony was out. Sterling Shepard was out. CJ board, I think was out. Um, even like these guys you never heard of were out. So it was just Kenny Galladay and just a bunch of like guys you picked up at the YMCA. And it was, it was like, there was, there was nothing really you can like kind of say about the bears because I mean, they, they did play well on defense. I liked a lot what I saw from like, you know, guys like Angelo Blackson had a couple splash plays. Travis Gibson, as we talked about, was looking really good. Um, but I mean, like a, everybody always does the like would Alabama beat this crappy NFL team I think today maybe not 10 times out of 10 but like if you put Alabama out there against the Giants team that they like fielded today and the way they played I think it would have been close at least Gosh, I mean it must have been and like you're saying I think the complicated part here is that I don't want to talk so poorly about the Giants that we don't mention Travis Gibson cashing in when he needed to right yeah. Like, if you're going to trot out such a crappy offensive effort against Chicago, yeah, it's awesome to see that Robert Quinn is now in 16 games, the record setter, like best or most sacks in a single season ever for Chicago Bear. And it doesn't even need the 17-game asterisk on it, right? He did it in 16. You see Travis Gibson, a fifth-round pick, two forced fumbles, at least one of them he beat his guy on. You yeah. see, I, I mean, one guy I want to mention is Angelo Blackson. He's not been a superstar by any means, but with Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols being somewhat inconsistent in Akeem Hicks' absence, Blackson's been a fun player to watch that has an impact on the 22-22 defense. And I mean, Jeremy, come on. That's really all we're watching for at this point, right? Yeah, and I mean, the Bears kind of seem to just kind of pick guys on the defensive line out of nowhere, and it's kind of worked every – like Mario Edwards gave us a little bit of a run – Roy Robertson Harris obviously was like a later round draft pick. So, I mean, the one thing that the Bears consistently do well is coach up the guys they have in the defensive line. Um, and even these random guys can be productive. And Angela Braxton's proved enough. I mean, I think at this point you can bring him back on, you know, maybe another one year deal, maybe like a two years for a couple million a year. Um, they don't really have to ask him to do too much, but I think he's shown enough this year that he can definitely fill in um and I've liked what I've seen in the limited uh snaps from Kairos Tonga too he's like very one trick he's just kind of like a run stuffer who's just gonna be a big body space eater guy but I mean if you can get guys at those positions at cheap deals it's definitely gonna help out your football team especially for the Bears defense I mean I'm not super optimistic that it's gonna continue to be very good in the future because you got guys like I don't know how much longer Khalil Mack's going to be there. Akeem Hicks is probably gone. Um, Roquan Smith, you'll probably have to lock up for a good amount of money. Um, and that's just going to kind of eat into the, what you can do at, you know, edge rusher, cornerback outside of Jalen Johnson, who I think is a nice piece. But, I mean, they still keep managing to find these, you know, underrated, give you a couple good plays a game, and that's pretty much all you need from him, like defensive tackles. And it's worked out. And I think Blackson's played his way into a possible future with the Bears. I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. 
Absolutely. Now, there is something I feel like, Jeremy, we have to talk about because this is the Bears, right? <laughs> People have continuously tried to declare this team awful. And I don't know about you. I mean, am I crazy? I feel like a game like this is a nice reminder. The Bears have not been good this year, but all they are is just not bad. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a clear distinction between the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bears at this stage. Yeah, I mean, they're not a, like, basement-dwelling, obviously, a team like the Jaguars. They've not been good. Like, I, I think you can't, you can't really take too much from this game against the Giants. No. Just, like, they were bad. They were really horrible the entire game, and I don't want to, like, draw any grand conclusions. And then the game <laughs> last week – yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. But, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's just – it kind of seems like they're just one rung above those other teams. And they've – looked okay in the last couple of weeks. I really hope that doesn't give the organization any, you know, like false hope that this, there are like pieces on this team. Then maybe there are pieces on this team, but the bones of a team that's going to compete for a championship next year. Cause I don't think anyone's really trying to convince themselves of that, but yeah, I mean, it's been nice the last couple of weeks. You've had one good game from Nick Foles an okay, a good enough game from Andy Dalton this week to obviously beat the giants by 30 points who just looked like lifeless the entire game. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say they're bad. I mean, I wouldn't say they're horrific. I don't think they're good and they've been bad at multiple points this season and the coaching has been bad and the in-game management has been bad and the roster decisions they made in the off season have been bad, but it could be worse if you want to say that. No, I mean, you bring up a good point. Cause like you're saying, when we're sitting there with our mouths agape, watching the giants just beat the tar out of themselves, <laughs> it makes you feel better about your team because at least you don't look like that. But yeah. Like you're saying, I mean, you bring up a good point. The Bears, they hit on a flea flicker, which is about the funnest thing they did on offense all game. A couple of Dave Montgomery touchdowns, but it's hard to take a lot from a game where it looked like the Giants were just, they came ready to lose, and boy, did they. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, again, also you had Jason Peters starting a left tackle instead of Tevin Jenkins, which <laughs> made no sense. I mean – what is he going to – and he didn't play that well. He gave up a sack to Lorenzo Carter pretty early in the game. Um, I really want to see what Tevin Jenkins can do. This guy's already had a rough rookie season where he hasn't really been on the field. And it kind of feels like Nagy knows he's getting fired. So he's just like, all right, I'm going to put my guys out there, the guys that I like. I don't give a shit about the future of this team. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, this was definitely, like, a game that you can take a minimal amount out of. I and mean, David Montgomery continues every week, doesn't go down on first contact. Like he plays so hard. I really love him. I really hope that they can figure out a way to make him a part of the future without giving him too much money, which I'm sure is going to be a topic of conversation in the next year or two. Um, Darnell Mooney again, like makes great, like can play plays after the catch. Uh, had a nice move on one of the Giants defensive backs, which I guess, I don't know if he was even trying. I don't know if anyone on the team was really even trying, but take a little bit out of that Cole Komet made one or two nice catches um I mean at least you did get to see some Larry Borum who like again has held up pretty well um for a fifth round rookie that's starting at right tackle in the NFL has had to you know face some legitimate edge, rusher, edge rushers um throughout his short time with the Bears so far it's good to see him play but like most of the guys that are out in the field today are not gonna be back next year and it's very much annoying to have those guys get you know week in and week out, take up snaps from guys who could really use the development and could really use the in-game reps. And it's just it kind of speaks to like the way that the Bears manage this whole situation. Like Matt Nagy knows he's getting fired and just doesn't, maybe he doesn't really want to do anything for the future of this team. He's just kind of doing his own thing. And he's just kind of like a lame duck GM possibly who can't fire him. And it's just, it's just kind of a mess. And I just, I'm really ready for this kind of era of stupidity to be over. Um, 
it's it's got one game left and i just it was another game of watching just like being able to take very little out of it well i mean that's what's so uh, ugly i think we could say about the bears situation jeremy they put this game in the same time slot as Bengals Chiefs, and safe to say that uh, the Bears didn't look like either of the teams in the other game, right? So you sit there. Daz Newsom isn't playing. Uh, instead, we've got Demir Bird, who is on a one-year deal. I mean, I wish he was kidding with these, right? Yeah. Jason Peters, one-year deal, is starting. Sam Mustaver, a UDFA. I mean, obviously, he's still getting time. He's the best center. Not, I'm not complaining because Dieter Esiason isn't getting reps. That's not the point here. It's more to say that, I, Jeremy, help me out here. I'm an analyst reaching for things to analyze out of this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I was, I mean, I rewatched some of the highlights uh, like a couple hours ago and I was just like, what can I take out of this game? I mean, like Travis Gibson made a couple of nice plays. That's nice to have. I mean, I was a little upset that he was, you know, that fourth round pick they could have had this year. Um, there were a couple receivers I liked on the board that the Bears could have taken with that pick. And obviously they need receivers, but he's definitely played himself into a, you know, like a nice position with the Bears. One thing, like the one piece of analysis that I could kind of glean from this is like, why does Matt Nagy's game plan? And this is like kind of probably irrelevant at this point because we know he's going to get fired. He's got one game left. And like, you can, we've all said everything we need to say about Matt Nagy. Right. But why does he only run his offense with Andy Dalton. Like, why can't he do – like, why can't he throw on first down? Why can't he run more play action? Why, why can't he do all this stuff with Justin Fields? But every time Fields is in, it's just like run, run, pass, punt, get him in a third and nine, have him make a tough throw with receivers that aren't open. Um, even in the game today, like, in that – when Andy Dalton almost threw the uh, interception in the end zone, it was just like a, got a lot of receivers kind of standing around the end zone, not getting open – Route, route patterns are not good. Red zone play calling is not good. And again, like you can't, like what are we even like talking about at this point? Because Nagy's going to be gone next week and this doesn't mean anything for the future of the team. But it's just like another game where we had to watch a lot of guys that aren't going to be a part of the Bears' future with a coach who's not going to be a part of the Bears' future running a miserable offense. And like they scored whatever, 30 something points, but it, it was like if there weren't so many self inflicted wounds from the Giants, this probably would have been a 13 to 10 game. Could have easily been. I mean, to your point, Jeremy, I think I've said it on this show before. I'm not 100% sure. I'll tell you right now, I am speculating. But when we think about the best called games outside of 2018, Jeremy, can you think of the common denominator in Matt Nagy's offense between, like, what's brought good game plans out? Because I've got an idea. But can you think about it? Um, a veteran quarterback who can't move. Yes. <laughs> a veteran quarterback, period. I get the impression that Matt Nagy needs that filter inside the quarterback. That what something that Trubisky and Fields, as younger guys, may not have just had the like had the microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they may not have had enough experience in the league to say, "Come on, Matt, let's just throw a bubble on first down or something like that." Instead of, "Okay, we're gonna run left again on first down," uh, but but coach, they're in they're in an eight man box. Do what I said, Justin. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? I, I don't know. I'm not I'm – not, I'm truly speculating. But it is just so interesting looking back that even Chase Daniel got stronger game plans than Mitch Trubisky. And we used to dog – or dog on Mitch and say, it's 100% Mitch's fault. Look at how every other quarterback gets better treatment. Maybe past a certain point. It's because those guys have a better vision for the offense than, than the coach. Is that a ridiculous thought? 
No, absolutely not. And I mean, last week with Nick Foles, a lot of the production came from, you know, like Nick Foles calling Dave Montgomery to come out of the backfield and run a, like a, a slant route and get some yards after the catch. And it was still like, even in this game and the game last week, it was still a lot of, you know, like curls on third down to Allen Robinson that didn't work because there was a, there was a play I noted, I tweeted about it where um, Robinson ran a curl on third down and it got batted away. And it was, it was, I mean, it was Dalton's kind of like droopy arm throwing it to him. Justin Fields probably would have been able to get it in there before the defender got there. Um, but you're right. I mean, like every once in a while, like Nick Foles, I think has a pretty, he's a better offensive mind than Matt Nagy. And I saw something tweeting. I saw someone tweeting. It was like, maybe Nick Foles should just stick around and be the offensive coordinator next year, which like, I don't know, like he's worked under a lot of coaches, um, a lot of read offenses. So I don't know if we want any more of that, but uh, it's, it's kind of it, like, again, it kind of feels weird dogging on Matt Nagy, but I still think he has a lot of, you know, like candid, like qualities that, make great coaches like obviously everybody likes playing for him Eddie Jackson says he's the best players coach but he just doesn't know how to get out of his own way and you're right I think he doesn't like if he gets another job as an offensive coordinator somewhere or a quarterback's coach or something he he needs another foil someone who can tell him like no maybe you're right maybe we shouldn't run Cordell Patterson jet sweep into this formation because it's not gonna work like it's it's kind of insane like we've, we've been seeing it for four years in a row and like even in the 2018 year it's just a lot of like questionable play calls and situations that just didn't call for it and it kind of feels like he has these plays that he likes but just decides to use them out of nowhere and just doesn't put him in the right situation it's just like there's some sort of you know he doesn't have a feel for the game that he kind of needs to be to totally be and i mean it's funny because like i can't actually blame Again, I'll retroactively remove a lot of the blame that I had from Trubisky for this specifically, what I'll be saying here. And the same for Justin Fields, that these guys not vetoing Matt Nagy, actually, I get it. NFL defense is different, you know? Like, collegiate defenses, it's not that it's more transparent. Actually, I think a lot of collegiate defenses can be more complicated. But NFL defense is faster. So when your NFL head coach is telling you as a rookie, this is a good idea. Who are you to say, no, it's not, coach? Like, what do you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? To a certain extent, I think, like, Justin Fields has known that a lot of the plays that Nagy is called just aren't going to work. Like, you can kind of see it in his body language every once in a while. I'm just like, I have no one to yeah. go to. Like, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. not true. But it's, it's just such a murky and complicated situation. And like you said, I mean, it feels like we're just waiting for the end. Yeah. You know? Like, again – like, I, I love that you highlighted Kairos Tonga. That's a good example of a player that's worth talking about right here. I mean, out of the seventh-round pick, getting a decent run-stuffing nose tackle, he doesn't have to do much. But as yeah. a rotational defensive lineman, he looks really solid. But at the same time, like, I keep going back to this image, Jeremy, of watching the game. I have never seen a team beat themselves worse. And we play the Lions twice a year. Like, this was the, the Giants – we're so ready to lose. It blows my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I, what I loved is that, like, you know, the Giants are down, whatever, like 28 to 3. And they still insist on handing the ball off three times in a row to Saquon Barkley, who <laughs> is coming off an ACL tear. Like, has been struggling to stay healthy all year. You're hoping that you can get some sort of production out of him. A guy you spent a first-round pick on as a running back. Got, like, one or two more years left on his deal. Why are you giving him the ball in this game when your team is out of playoff contention? You're getting your ass kicked down by 30. Obviously, I don't, you don't want to trust Mike Lennon to throw the ball, but like, come on, man. Like, there's just some, 
there is a level of of kind of galaxy brain ridiculousness that the Giants have that the Bears, even in their worst moments, which have been this year and at times last year, they can't quite reach. Like it's just kind of <laughs> it's hard. To, it's hard to qualify. It's hard to quantify at least. And it's just like Joe Judge. Do you see after the game? Joe Judge um, said that there are some guys from his team last year that are calling him and saying they wish they were with the Giants this year, even though they're getting paid more money elsewhere. I'm like, yeah, sure, dude. That's like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard a coach say. You also have a girlfriend that goes to a different school. Like, relax. We all don't believe you. No kidding. There's some weirdness there, but because it's a Bears game, Jeremy, we've got to assign game balls, so we'll let the sponsors get their word in, and we'll be right back on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm Robert Schmitz coming off of a Sugar Bowl Baylor win, talking to Jeremy Layton as we go through this bizarre 29-3 beatdown by the Chicago Bears or the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants teamed up to beat the tar out of the New York Giants. Real, uh, a real united front as the team took on the New York Giants together. Going all the way, Jeremy, to that, uh, that special team snafu that led to the Giants get the ball on the four yard line where nobody fielded the punt or the kickoff i mean uh, so much to dig into in this game so much apathy or at least it looked that way but but we've got to sign game balls nevertheless so i'll start with you when it comes to the offense who do you think deserves the game ball um i'd probably give it to darnell mooney um the touchdown i mean he gets open. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a one for his whole career. Like he, he's not big. He, he, he like, he's not a guy who can like consistently move the chains on third down. and can win jump balls against the top cornerbacks of the NFL. But I mean, he gets open when he's put in the right spot. Um, he's, he's electric after the catch. He had that touchdown early in the game. He had a couple really totally broke a giants defenders ankle. I don't exactly remember who it was. Um, and if you want to give another one, like, I mean, David Montgomery is, like, deserving of it every week. I kind of wanted to spice it up a little bit and give it to Mooney. Um, I thought he showed a lot today. And he, he's the guy that I think could be a really good two for a really good team. Um, I, I have been imp- nothing but impressed with him two years with the Bears. He's tiny, but he plays above his size, and he kind of showed it again today. He made a couple tough uh, – he wrote, ran through a couple defenders too. So I would give it to Mooney. Absolutely. I mean – Truly, I think the only people disappointed with Mooney at this stage are the people that bit a little too hard into the whole Mooney beats Jalen Ramsey clip <laughs> off of Ramsey playing, what was it, the curl flat coverage 
everyone yeah, I mean, technically getting past him. Yeah, everybody's expecting curls because it's the Chicago Bears. So I don't want right. to give too much. <laughs> but I mean, it was a nice play. Like, Mooney can do that though. Oh, like he can sure. beat guys deep. He can he can win shorter routes too. He's he's definitely a guy that you know, I think can be around for a while and make a difference for this team. Oh yeah, I mean, at this stage in his career, I think the only thing that I've learned to not, to not expect from Mooney is a true to form contested catch. Right. You know what I mean? Like when the defender is all over number eleven, eleven's going to struggle to catch the ball. But he gets open enough that you just don't care. You know what yeah. I mean? Whether it's jet sweeps, bubble screens, deep outs, deep posts, Mooney does a lot of things well. And like you said, is he a number one wide receiver? Probably not. Is he potentially part of a championship team? Absolutely. Yeah. It, in any other game, Jeremy, I, I would pick a different game ball. But I can't in this one because – it's not like anybody else really showed out. I mean, I might have given it to, to David Montgomery, but he threw a pick at the end of the game. Like, I got to punish that somewhere, right? I heard so. uh, everybody was razzing a little bit after the game. They were, uh, they were, they were <laughs> little shit, which I think was deserved. It was funny. It was a fun play. It's, it's funny. I was, oh, playing yeah. against, I was playing against Montgomery in my, uh, in my championship uh, game in fantasy football. And, uh, <laughs> that, uh, I got that minus three. Or minus two, I guess. Um, so Look, a little pick at the end of the game. For me, Jeremy, the only thing I got to say negative about that Montgomery interception, because you're right, who cares? It's just funny, right? Is Matt Nagy waited until a meaningless game in week 16 to pull out the pop pass. Why did yeah. it take so long? After an entire year of Wildcat, I don't think we'll ever know. And but, I think he said after the game they were sitting on that play for a while. I think he said they had it, um, you know, and, like, they practiced it a couple times, and it's something that they've been installed a while before. And, of course, yeah, stupid game against the Giants when you're up 26 points late in the game. Ugh. <laughs> and I, I bet you Matt feels like that's just an encapsulation of his career in Chicago. <laughs> the commit gets open, and his running back throws a pick anyways. Well, why like, are you putting yourself in a position where you have to have exactly. a Exactly. Yeah. Right. That, that's, that's why it's perfect, you know, because it's like whether it's been halfbacks throwing key blocks and missing. I mean, people have been out of position in Chicago for a long time. I don't think anybody's debating that anymore, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But so now that means we get to get to the fun part of the ball, the defense. Who gets your defensive game ball? So I think I have to give it to Robert Quinn um, for breaking the sack record. Um, and it was like the play where he brought, where he strip sacked Mike Glennon. It was like probably his third strip sack of the game. Glennon's third strip sack of the game, that is. But Quinn comes in and like has him squared away. And Glennon makes his only positive play of the game, kind of flips it out to Saquon, um, who gets like a few yards out of it. I was like, wow, man, like Mike Glennon, you're really going to rob this moment of Robert <laughs> Quinn. And then he comes back in the next play and, and not only sacks him, but strips the ball. Um, it's kind of, it's remarkable how much he's turned how much of a transformation he's had over the last whatever year because uh, we were all ready to run him out of town after one year um, kind of playing out of position um, playing in Chuck Pugano's system which I was not a fan of at all and just kind of asked him to be kind of one-dimensional and Sean Desai's really figured out a way to unlock him and move him around the formation and um, since basically the beginning of the season when he's not sacking the quarterback he's right there and that was kind of the same today. Like, he, he was running after whoever had the ball for a good chunk of the game, and then he gets the sack and breaks the record in 16 games, which I think there were a lot of records today that were broke. And like, I know, like, Mark Andrews had a record for the um, Ravens that was broken. I'm really glad that a lot of these things happened on week on – not week 16, but week 17, on the 16th game of the season, so we didn't have to do this all, all this asterisk nonsense. Um, 
but I, I really, um, I, I can't really say enough about how much Robert Quinn has played, how well Robert Quinn has played this year. Um, it looks like he shot out of a cannon and then every play. And now like, what do you do with this contract? Do you trade him? I don't know. Like, do you kind of hot ride the hot hand or do you trade him while he's at the peak of his value and try to rebuild a little bit? But I don't know. I, I would give the game ball just for that reason, just for breaking the record to Robert Quinn. Um, Cause you think about the edge rushers and the linebackers that this team has had for a hundred years and the most sacks of the single season, the guy that, Literally everyone on Bears Twitter was ready to run out of town with pitchforks last year. Yep. And hey, to give him even more credit, he felt like he had to get that third or that 18th sack three times where, what was it? He wraps up Glennon, Glennon kicks the ball out. Ah, man, he didn't get it. And then he pushes Glennon forward in the pocket, touches him down, defensive holding on Alec Ogletree. The very next play finally gets the record. I mean, not much you could say about Quinn this season other than he's been a revelation, right? Yeah. But if I had to give out the game ball, I'll probably give it to number 99. Mm-hmm. Two strip sacks, our sophomore season coming out in a big way. I feel like the rest of – like, Artie Burns, honestly, even Eddie Jackson, who might just have had a fumble – or, like, a forced fumble touchdown himself yeah. at the referee call go his – way like he made some key tackles in the secondary too talking about jackson there are a lot of defensive players that i think deserve acknowledgement from this game like you had some guys really flying around but when you generate two forced fumbles in a half if memory serves you Mm -hmm. definitely get a game ball especially when it's sophomore season and like you said jeremy we're kind of looking for whatever information we can get about the future so seeing that kind of play that's got to be a really nice feeling given that number 52s get only older. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, think that's, I think that's totally fair to give the, ball to, the game ball to Travis Gibson. He was probably the best defensive player on the field for the Bears. Um, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, it's kind of hard to separate good play just between, you know, that and just horrible putrid play on offense from the Giants. But I would probably say that Travis Gibson was the best player on the field. I just felt like I wanted to give the game ball to Robert Quinn oh, yeah. on the record. Um, but yeah, Jeremy, yeah I, I'm with you. Get one. Yeah, <laughs> we don't gotta agree on one. We're giving right. out four game balls. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But yeah, any final thoughts about this one? Because, like you said, I mean, if I was gonna give final thoughts, I think the weirdest part is is that this game was fun for entertainment value, but we really are just waiting on whether or not Ryan Pace is going to be retained. I feel like Matt Nagy's not a question anymore. It's yeah. just a matter of the let's say. Um, I don't know. How do you say the guy has really good hair? I, I can't think of a, uh, a synonym for it or like a wordplay thing. But Pace, the, the haired wonder, is a big question mark right now in the organization between rumors that we can't confirm or deny, right? It's just I feel like we're just waiting for Black Monday, right? Yeah, and I think a big takeaway from this game was it's just kind of something that's like been a theme for the last few weeks. It's just how badly the Bears bungled their kind of issues with Nagy in the front office all season because that weird Tuesday where they kind of hung that where there were rumors Matt Nagy was going to get fired um they like it the writing has been on the wall for him the entire season but the Bears have this tradition where they never fired anyone midseason and you know blah 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 been around for however many years and they just won't do it um but like when the writing was on the wall it was should have fired him then because Yep. These last few games were really valuable to give guys like Tevin Jenkins, Thomas Graham. We don't like Justin Fields. Maybe he's hurt. Like, I don't really want to get into that. Um, but I, I still think that 
have they cleaned house? And like, it's kind of, then it kind of comes down to like, who's cleaning house? Is Ryan Pace going to fire Matt Nagy or is he going to get fired himself? So that kind of adds another situation where you can't really fire Matt Nagy for that reason. So they've had these weird few games where no one really knows what's happening. All these veterans are starting for no reason. Why get while guys who need the refs aren't getting them. A guy who could bring in like an interim head coach would have motivation to like, you know, see what you have in guys, show that you can get something out of any given guy. And Matt Nagy has none of that. So we've seen a lot of, you know, Jason Peters and like Bruce Irvin and who else? I, obviously guys like Artie Burns even, played well today. Like, but still, it's just like, what are you doing Andy for us? Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton is actually on or under contract next year. Yes, Dalton's exactly. Not. I would rather keep Foles around as a backup than Dalton resign Dalton. And I don't think it's like, he's on a one-year deal. So I don't know if Dalton's necessarily coming back at all, but I mean, Foles is a fine backup. Like he, you need to get a better offensive line around him because like even last week in a game that he won and looked pretty good, like when there was pressure, he just can't move. Um, it's like kind no. of comical to watch. And there were a couple of plays like that where Dalton showed the exact same thing. There was like a third, third and three early in the game where he tried to scramble <laughs> and Justin Fields would have scored a touchdown and <laughs> Dalton. That play was hilarious. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> a lot of that though. Like, why do we have to watch this? What, like, what do we des- like do as fans to deserve this? Like, just kind of this weird yeah. limbo, bizarro season where everything comes apart and you can't even salvage certain small things out of it. Like, you should be able to. And I mean, kind of like you're saying, Jeremy. I think the weirdest part about this is that as Jacksonville has now interviewed Dan Quinn, they're interviewing Kellen Moore, they're interviewing all those people that Bears fans, probably not Quinn in particular, but a lot of the coaches that Bears fans are foaming at the mouth to get their organization in touch with, right? We're yeah. not. So if we keep pace, we didn't take advantage of the new interview rule at all, right. and we kept the general manager. There's a lot of weirdness going on. I mean, one-year deal with guys all around the roster, like you mentioned. I mean, I could just repeat everything you said, but it's just so much murkiness that at the end of the day, I'm just hopeful we get to see JF1 square off against Sean Mannion <laughs> and a, a pretty defeated Vikings team uh, next week. And then after that, we can start a long and hopefully healing off season. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I'm, I – like I really am excited because I do think I do believe in Justin Fields and I do think there are some pieces on this team um, that you can kind of build around. And if you hire the right coach, I could see them like competing, not necessarily contending for a Super Bowl next year, but there there's enough talent on this roster that well-coached team with this roster could win games next year. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. And I have in mind a few guys that I like, I have in mind a few guys I don't like, and it's going to be interesting few weeks um as they i don't know how much how long it will take them to find a coach but like you said like the jacksonville jaguars are interviewing doug peterson and byron leftwich is a guy i really like for the bears i would love for them to lock him down have him be the next head coach he's one of the guys i actually like but yeah you can't really interview him right now and i don't know how important that is because i mean to a certain extent these guys aren't going to take jobs until the season's over until they've interviewed with other teams and like they know that more openings are coming they know that like Maybe Denver fires their coach. Maybe Carolina fires Matt Rule. There's a lot of – there's going to be openings, so I can't imagine any team would take a job with the Jaguars without interviewing elsewhere, but still it does feel like a missed opportunity. It's just another thing this organization just doesn't do. Like, there's just so many, like, small things they could do to give them a little bit of an advantage they just choose not to because of their tradition, because of how they've been, you know, never fire a coach midseason. Great. What has that gotten for you? At this stage, like you're saying, it's just a matter of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, yep. and that's where we sit. We got to win a football game, right? <laughs> Two weeks in a row, man. 
Yeah, two weeks in a row, never too bad. But Jeremy, thanks so much for jumping on on this game with me. I'll have to have you on another time here soon. Go ahead yeah, and man. let us know what you got working on. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think the only thing I really got, you can just follow me on Twitter. You can follow me at, at Jeremy Layton. Uh, last name is spelled with a zero instead of an O, so it's L-A-Y-T-0-N. Unfortunately, Jeremy and I's recording cut out right there. You can also find his work over at thenewyorkpost.com. You can find me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. I'll see you on Wednesday as we break down this bizarre Bears-Giants game. And you might very well catch me tomorrow evening on Bear and Balanced as JB and Lester talk through this one. Guys, it's been awesome having you, and until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. Truly this time. <laughs>